Part two of our interview with Micah Wilder about his recent book, Passport to Heaven. Next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Last time was part one as we began our interview with Michael Wilder who has written a book uh, discussing uh, his journey from Mormonism into Jesus and the book is entitled Passport to Heaven. A uh, picture of the book is on the screen. This is part two and again we have other questions that we want to go through as we discuss the book and so I'd like to introduce and thanks. thank you again Micah for coming. Thanks for having me, Doris. Time out of your schedule to answer these questions, and so that our viewers, you know, we each each program has different viewers and different unique viewers, and so I just want our viewers to know who you are, and to know your story too, and then maybe get the book and read the whole thing from cover to cover. Uh, many of your view, our viewers are familiar with you, and I'm sure some of them aren't. So briefly again, would you explain your contact information, how they can contact you, the band, or get your book? Yeah. So uh, my name is Micah, and I'm part of Adams Road Ministry. And uh, my email address is micah at adamsroadministry.com. Our website is adamsroadministry.com. And uh, I'm just a sinner that's been saved by the grace of God out of Mormonism and into biblical Christianity. And for the last 15 years, God has given us the opportunity to share our testimonies of the gospel, the grace of God. And so my recent book, Passport to Heaven, is, is the uh, compilation of, of the entirety of my story from my two-year mission uh, as a Latter-day Saint and the events that led up to me coming to recognize the gospel, mm -hmm. the grace of God. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Thank you. So we're going to go forward uh, with the questions. You can see part one, if you haven't seen that yet, of the questions that we asked him from the beginning of the book. Now, you had said, we're going to go back to your missionary um, activities. Uh, you had said that many LDS missionaries fantasize about converting a Baptist preacher to the <laughs> LDS church and that rumors abounded of missionaries who supposedly had converted and baptized not just the pastor but the entire Baptist congregation. Now, I've never heard of such an incident. You said you had not really came across any proof of that either where it happened, but you were determined to actually do that yourself. Explain why, and please explain, why do they target the Baptists? <laughs> <laughs> so twofold is to my motives. I mean, number one, I, do wanna, I don't want to belittle my zeal for my faith in Mormonism. Like, it was a sincere faith. Sure, right? so you bet. So my desire to convert a Baptist pastor in his congregation was first and foremost because I wanted them to have a truth that I believed that they did not have. Mm -hmm. And that number two was because I wanted to bring somebody into the faith that could have influence, right? Because obviously right. the more powerful of an individual you could convert to the church, the more influence they will have of them bringing other people into the exactly. fold. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if, why we would specifically target Baptists um, other than we almost saw them as a nemesis of ours. <laughs> um, but I don't know. It was just, um, it was where I felt God was leading us on a rainy Sunday evening. And so my Mormon mission companion and I went to a Sunday evening service at Calvary Baptist in Winter Garden. And, uh -huh. uh, and that was... Uh -huh that small catalyst that, that sparked a massive change in my in my life. <laughs> oh, okay. And I've heard others others from Mormonism also say they target the Baptists. Yeah. And I, I just don't understand why the Baptists. Because there's other Christian denominations yeah. that could target as well. 
you said, you talked about going into a Christian service, mm -hmm. and you said that there were profound differences in the Christian service that yeah. you attended and the Mormon church service. What were the most mentionable differences between the two? Yeah, well, the first thing is that every Christian church I attended when I was a Mormon missionary, and, and I've since attended, there, there was a cross. And in Mormonism, there's kind of an aversion to the symbol or the image of a cross, and mm -hmm. we're kind of... Um, encouraged not to wear crosses, and there's no crosses in the Mormon buildings. Um, mm -hmm. So that was kind of one thing that really stuck out to me. The second thing was realizing that the, the entirety of the message, the testimonies, the preaching, it was all centered on Jesus, right? It wasn't centered on a church, on the denomination, on the organization, but it was really centered on Christ alone. And, and I was really taken aback by that because, you know, in the Mormon church, Jesus was certainly part of uh, what we talked about and what we preached, but he wasn't all of it, right? right so we put right. so much emphasis in the church and the prophet and the Book of Mormon and all these other things. And so I was really, um, it was unique to see how Christians put all their faith and hope in Christ alone, and there was no other plus. It was just Jesus. And I think that that, um, I was really taken aback by that. It's interesting. Um, the first Christian service I ever attended after I became a Christian, I was equally profound uh, or, or surprised at their focus on Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's all about him. I, yeah. I walked away from there saying, it's all about him. It wasn't about anything but him. And that was great in my eyes, you know, because I, but I was a brand new Christian, had yeah. not experienced that before. It was then, you know, during this period of time that you're uh, on your mission and doing all of these things for the Mormon gospel, you met Pastor Benson. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's many events that will lead up to anybody, lead up to anybody's conversion. Mm -hmm. and, and many things, and God puts things in, and, and we know that, that, that that all takes place in our salvation experience. But it seems that Pastor Benson became kind of your detour yeah. in, your, in your journey. Explain your encounter with him and, as, and your response as you shared the gospel with him. Yeah. So after attending the Sunday evening service, we, we met um, with Pastor Benson. We shared with him our belief system, kind of the, the fundamental principles of Mormonism, if you will, the restoration. And, uh, and he responded to us um, by sharing the gospel message. And so he, he did it very gently, very kindly, um, but he did it very boldly. And he simply laid out the, the biblical gospel, the, the sinful nature of mankind, our mm -hmm. inability to make ourselves right with God through works of the old law, and that our hope was solely in the finished work of Christ alone. Mm -hmm. And that only by grace through faith could we be given the free gift of eternal life through faith in the name of Jesus. And so it was this very simple gospel yeah. that we were saved, not by our works, not by our own uh, established righteousness, but by the righteousness of God revealed in Christ. And by his work on the cross on our behalf as our substitute. And um, my response to his message was, was kind of like, I grew up with this idea of a cheap grace, mm -hmm. right? So, mm -hmm. so Christians about a cheap grace, which just meant that God saves us and then it gives the individual a license to live for, for sin, right? And right. to indulge in every desire of the flesh. And so I didn't know what the true biblical grace of God was. And so I kind of mocked this idea of the gospel of grace because I saw it as the easy way out, right? Mm -hmm. So, well, there's nothing required of the individual. If Jesus saves us yeah. by his blood and we're saved by 
grace through faith, then then what's the it's point? It's too easy. Right. Yeah. And so I think that was kind of my response to Pastor Benson. And I was very offended by the gospel message because I knew that what he was saying was that we avowed a false gospel. And and that the, the gospel in which we were presenting was not in line with the true biblical gospel. And that really offended me to the point that I ended up telling Pastor Benson that if he didn't uh, join the Mormon church and accept the Book of Mormon as the Word of God, that he would stand in condemnation at the judgment bar of God. Uh-huh. And that's kind of uh, where I left it. Okay. <laughs> and I want to quote from page 87, part of, of this ex- this uh, confrontation with him. And it's, it's actually uh, part of his response of what I'm taking from the book. Quote, I must respectfully, this was after you'd shared the Mormon gospel mm-hmm. with him. I must respectfully refute many of the things that you just shared with me. You know that my foundation of doctrine lies in the inerrant, God-breathed word, the Bible, which is my sole source for truth. What you have told me, as sincere as it may be, and as much as you may believe it and in your heart, contradicts the saving gospel as revealed in Scripture. And for that reason, I must call into question the validity of what you young Mm. men are teaching. Wow. Now... How did that make you feel, and and how did you respond to him after he said that? Well, it, it angered me. It offended me because the gospel of Mormonism, the restored gospel, is what I had built my entire life on. Right? It, it was it yeah. was the core of my yeah. identity. And uh, for, for somebody to say that, that the religious life upon which I had built myself and, and not only built myself, but then lived out with, with great fervor and zeal was in fact a false gospel. It was terribly offensive, it but it was a necessary thing for him to say um, yeah. because it was a different gospel and it was not the true gospel. And, and I had to be faced with that for the first time in my life. And it was a necessary part of my coming to truth was was having somebody call into question the validity of the things mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. I believed in my religion. And, and you said that you got angry, yeah. very angry at that point or during this conversation. Yeah. Did you know at the time, um, did you recognize why you were angry? What it was that really made you angry deep down? Yeah, I think at the time I, I was... I would have recognized that my anger was coming from the fact that I thought he was preaching against Christ's true church. Yeah. So it was almost like I, I would have interpreted it at that time as righteous indignation. Now, but looking back it? now, I, I would recognize I was angry because I was convicted by the word of God. Right. Uh-huh. Hebrews four twelve says that, that God's word is living and active right. and sharper than any two edged sword. And so, to the unbeliever, to the sinful, to the dead, the gospel can be offensive, mm-hmm. um, and and it can be piercing. And, and, and so I was convicted. The right. Yeah. The the Holy Spirit comes to bring sin, righteousness, and judgment, right? And mm-hmm. so it, to expose that within the hearts of mankind. And so I think that that's what God was doing at that time of my life. He also accused you of being an enemy of the cross. Mm. What did you think of that? And were you? <laughs> I, I was. I, it's hard to say that, um, but I was an enemy of the cross because I was going about preaching a gospel that did not save people, but it brought people under bondage, under condemnation right. of a law that could not and would never be able to save them. And of course, that was terribly offensive to me, mm-hmm. but it was also scary because what if he was right? Mm-hmm. You know, what, mm-hmm. if, what if what he was saying was true and, and how would I reconcile that with you know, what I believed? And that was one of the most, I think, profound things about Pastor Benson's approach to us was he really stuck with the Word of God, with the Bible. And so he was sharing these verses that I couldn't withstand or contradict yeah. because they were coming right from the Word of God. And I wondered if that was part of your anger because you really yeah. did not have an answer. 
scriptures. To, I, to I didn't. I could not refute, you know, the message that was being revealed because it was coming straight from scripture, yeah. and uh, and I could see that that very starkly contradicted, you know, the Mormon gospel. And another quote, which is a little bit difficult, probably at the time for you, and is today, even as we t speak with Mormons or people from polygamy as well. Page ninety-three. Quote: The biggest difference, he said to you between you and me is that you believe in a different Christ. Mm. Your Jesus is not my Jesus, he declared. My Jesus died on the cross so that all who believe may be saved through his blood. Did yours. Mm. Now, those in the LDS church or polygamy will answer, yes, mine did. They mm. believe Jesus died on the cross for mm -hmm. our sins. They don't know the full impact of all of that, of course, but they do believe that. Mm -hmm. They believe Jesus died on the cross to explain your answer to him, but the fundamental differences in how they believe it and how Christians believe it. Right. Well, the biggest difference, and I think what he was illustrating, was that Jesus alone, alone was it. enough. Yeah. And so was my Jesus sufficient? Was his offering on the cross all in everything that cleansed me of my sin and made me right with God? Or was there something that I was doing in addition to that? And I think that that was really the crux of what he was saying was we don't believe in the same Jesus because the method of salvation between your Jesus and mine is not the same. Mm -hmm. and, um, and again, that's a very offensive thing to hear when you really believe that you believe in Jesus. I was such a passionate Mormon man. I was such a Jesus-centered Mormon. Yeah, and even yeah. as a Latter-day Saint, my my central testimony was in Christ. And so that the idea that this Jesus that I knew and avowed was not the true and saving Jesus was, was the most terribly offensive thing that anybody could have said it to is, me. It would be offensive. But it was, again, it was a necessary thing to have been said because I would have never considered that there was another Jesus or that I needed to look okay. to something outside of what I knew in Mormonism. And you had said earlier that Jesus in the Mormonism is just one of the pillars. Yeah. He's important, but yeah. he's just one of the important yeah. things. I talked with a woman one time who, uh, she called me on the phone and thanked me for the for the program that we were doing. She uh, had left Mormonism and she said to me, Jesus was just a step on the ladder, and mm. I had passed him by. I, 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 was, yeah. I had passed that step. I was done with him. I didn't need him anymore. And the rest of it, of course, was that worst thing. So you, yeah. you called it the pillar. She called it the step, but yep. it's basically the same thing. Whereas not, not only is Jesus enough, he is essential mm -hmm. alone. Jesus alone is essential. Yeah. Um, so, and, and, and Paul the Apostle, he, he also... Uh, grieved, lamented, because there were many who were enemies of the cross. Yeah. And he was uh, the same thing that you just yeah. said. There's that reason. Now, um, on page 95 in chapter 11, you, you wrote about your reaction to his statement of faith. Quote, The entire time Benson was sermonizing, my blood was boiling hotter <laughs> and hotter. Genuine fear had made me angry but I didn't know how to defend myself. And this is where that, that my question about it, this fear was making you angry, but at the time you didn't know it was fear mm -hmm. that was making you angry. Right. That deep-seated fear of maybe I am wrong. Yeah. And that keeps a lot of people from even investigating the truth yeah. at all. Yeah. What well, do you answer to that now for people? Well, it's afraid to face prospect that the foundation upon which you've built your life may not be true. Um, 
So but, how do you encourage people when you meet them today that may be going through that very same experience? My encouragement to them is that although the foundation of your religion may not be true, there is truth. And there is one sole truth, and that truth is Jesus, that He is the way, the truth, and the life, and the Word of God made flesh. And so even though the things that we have held on to so dearly our entire lives may come crashing down, may be washed away because they're built on sand, that there is a true foundation, and there is a true rock, and that is the rock of Christ. And so that when we have Him, none of those things matter anymore. When we have Him, we can lose all of those other things and still be on a solid foundation. Like you said, Jesus is not only enough, He is essential and He is everything. And so for a Christian and a follower of Jesus, Jesus becomes the sufficiency of our every need in Him. Mm -hmm. And when we rebuild our life on Him, nothing else matters and we don't need anything else. And so that's my encouragement to those people is even though there's fear of losing the ism, right, the Mormonism or, or whatever, Whatever else it is that we have the I am, we have Christ. And so if we're built on him, then we are on a solid foundation. Amen. Amen. Very good. Yeah. Uh, and then you left. You stormed out of his office <laughs> and he stopped you with the challenge. Yeah. You shared that challenge uh, hundreds yeah. and hundreds of times. Share it again. So his challenge to me was to go investigate the Bible for myself, to read the New Testament like a child. And the, the meaning like a child was to remove my religious preconceived notions, right? To take the Mormon lenses away from my eyes and just to approach God's word in humility, mm-hmm. seeking for truth, right? Just as a child would come to their father, seeking for truth, to humbly be taught, to allow God's word to speak for itself and to approach the word of God in that way. And he, he coupled it with a promise. And he said, if you do that, your life will change and God will open your eyes. And so you did. And And your life changed. And it did. And now you have a passport to heaven. (laughs) I do. (laughs) Because of that. (laughs) Amen. Um, This is a a very dramatic and detailed journey that you've dedicated so much time to. And you were a dedicated Mormon missionary. That comes out very clearly in the book. And your parent, your whole family Mm. were dedicated LDS people. Um, and, And you have become the disciple of Jesus Christ doing almost basically what Paul did, just traveling around, being an itinerant missionary. So Mm -hmm. what that uh, original pastor had said really did uh, become prophetic. We, of course, can't cover the whole book. We don't want to. We don't Uh want to cover every chapter or every page because we want them to get the book and to read it. But there's a few little questions I want to ask as we go through uh, some of the book. You have a chapter entitled... The Holy Inquisition. What in the world does that mean? Why did you give it that title? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's just a reference to the historical inquisition and uh, my meeting with my religious authority where my my faith and my um, testimony was being questioned. And so uh, it was a moment for me where I was faced with um, the opportunity to publicly really publicly declare my faith directly to my religious authority for the first time in my life. Hmm. And I had even Hmm. declared it in my testimony meeting, but I had never gone face to face with a religious authority and told them that I no longer believed in the principal tenets of Mormonism anymore. And so that was kind of the Uh beginning of that experience of laying out my new foundation of faith to my Mormon leadership. And how did they respond? Did it shock you? Were there surprises in their response? Um, yes and no. I I was surprised that my 
testimony from the beginning to the end was always in the sufficiency of Christ. And that that testimony seemed to be offensive to my Mormon leadership, to mm -hmm. my mission president, and both to my stake president. And, you know, for a church that claims to be the true church of Christ and built on the foundation of Christ, yes. why were they so offended and why were they so fearful of a young man who was professing faith in Jesus Christ yeah. alone? And of course, I, I know it's because it removes the power from them from the institution, from the authority, to say that I have direct access to God through the veil of Christ, no longer through the veil of the temple, right? It removes them from the equation of what I need to be right exactly, with God. Exactly. And so I think that that was surprising to me uh, in a sense, and, and it was disappointing to me that these men that I had followed, right, and revered, especially my mission president, for him to be so offended by my testimony of Christ, it just confirmed what I had come to know, and that's that the church was not built on the rock of Christ, mm. as I had always believed wow. it to be. Wow. That must have been quite an experience to, uh, go, to have gone through. Um, we talked about cheap grace already, mm. and you mentioned that in your book. Mm -hmm. Uh, and and I've heard many 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 people say that too uh, uh, in regards to my own faith that we just believe in cheap grace and yeah. we think we can do whatever we want just just repent and we're fine we can go out and sin all we want we know that isn't what is grace what is grace and what does it do in our hearts that that cannot even be a possibility in a genuine believer yeah. So grace is God's unmerited favor toward mankind. It means that He is giving us something that, that we don't deserve. And so through Christ, we are given the righteousness of God, right? We are literally made righteous because of Christ. Exactly. And that is God's grace. It's not something that can be earned or worked for. It's not something we can uh, be worthy of. It's something that God has given us freely by faith, right? Mm -hmm. to, to receive by faith. Mm -hmm. Well, grace, as I learned, grace is a heart transplant, right? When, it is. When Jesus it, said it you is. can't enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again, well, what does it mean to be born again and how are we born again? Well, we are born again through faith in Christ, through trusting solely in the finished work of Jesus alone for our sins. And when we do that, the Holy Spirit then dwells in us. And so we are crucified to our old self. We're mm -hmm. raised into newness of life where the <clears throat> Holy Spirit then works in and through us to walk in the good works that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so grace is a response. It's not something that is to be earned. Right. And so that's the difference between Mormonism, right, and true saving faith in Christ, is I love God because He first loved me. Right. And my faithfulness to God is a <laughs> response of an acknowledgement of God's great love and grace toward me as an undeserving recipient of that grace. Mm. So I'm not working or doing good works to earn God's love, right, or to be in His favor. I am responding to the depth of God's love for and me. And in so, that response, we don't want to sin. Exactly. And so that's what I realize is grace actually makes me hate sin, right? Yeah, I mean, we yeah. saw that. Paul's lament in Romans chapter yeah. 7. And so all of a sudden it was like, I wanted to respond in faithfulness to God. Like grace does not create in us a spirit of rebellion. Mm -hmm. It's a spirit of faithfulness, right? Yes, and so it's like, yes. I don't want to rebel against the God who adopted me and gave me the right to be called his child, like who forgave me when I was unworthy of forgiveness. Like my response to that is to want to be faithful Amen. to that God. And that is the, that's the difference. That's great. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Now, yeah, now we're going to, I have just a few couple minutes left. <clears throat> How I want to ask you two questions. Mm 
how did your Mormon family respond to your decision? And how did your fiance, mm. you had a Mormon girlfriend, yeah. how did she respond to your decision? So I'll start with my fiance because she knew what was going on before anybody else in my life. Okay. Um, she was the person that I was most vocal with. So when I was undergoing this change and reading the Word of God, I was sharing with her through letters what God was doing in my heart. Oh, so she oh, knew and understood, cool. yeah. and she too was undergoing a similar transformation. Oh, and so when I ended my mission, she too had come to saving faith in Christ and been born again. Oh, what a blessing, huh? Now, my family, um, when I got sent home from my mission three weeks early, right, it was a... It was a dishonorable thing for them as a family. Uh, it was an embarrassing thing, and I think that they were disappointed, but I think they were curious, right? Mm -hmm. Because they knew my zeal for Mormonism. I was like their prized Mormon son who had <laughs> lived this faith out greater than anybody else in the family. And so I think that they were curious as to why I was willing to forsake, right, the only life I'd ever known and loved for this Jesus that I'd come to know and love yeah, through the Word of God. Yeah. And so I think it was kind of simultaneous disappointment, but then why, mm -hmm. right? And that why is what drove them to the Word of God. Same thing with my siblings. So I gave them the challenge that Pastor Benson had previously given me, and that was just go to the Bible and read it, right? Mm -hmm. Just approach the Word of God, remove your Mormon lenses, and just see the truth that is revealed in the Word of God. And so that's when God began to and work God in their hearts and lives as well. Yeah. Well, that's a great experience that your family and your fiance joined you in this <laughs> journey. That, that really is not that usual for, yeah. for it to happen. So we encourage you to get the book. We're running out of time now, but the, the back of the book has a timeline of his journey. Uh, it also has uh, pictures, a lot mm -hmm. of photos, family photos, and different timelines of, of uh, during the time that you're going through this journey. And again, they can get the book at any place, mm -hmm. Barnes & Noble, Amazon, off your website, Correct. and in bookstores. Yep. Right, right. So tonight, you're getting ready to go and do another uh, event. Yep. And uh, we wish you, of course, God's speed and God's blessing as you do that. And thank you, Micah, so very much. Thank you for coming and sharing. And thank, thank you for, for sharing to so many people around the country and around the world. We really appreciate your time. We love and you. God thank bless. You. Uh, God bless your family and all that you do. It's a really blessing to know you. You know, by doing our ministry work, we're not out to condemn the people of Mormonism or to persecute them. We just want others to know. We want them to know the peace and forgiveness, the grace and the mercy that we have found in the biblical Jesus. Micah and the Adams Road Band ministry proclaim the biblical truth that Jesus is enough. And he is. How can we add? How can anyone add to perfection? If we try, we'll just mess it up. Jesus asked the question to some of his disciples, who do you say that I am? This is the most important question you will ever be asked, and your eternity depends upon the correct answer and your submission to the truth. Jesus saves all by himself. He really is enough. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.